Hello, my name is Taylor Clement, and I'm the head of school at Kirk Day School. And I'm Maria Massey. I'm the school counselor at Kirk Day School. The goal of this podcast is to walk with parents through issues and give tools and considerations in their parenting for topics that our students are going to face each day. And today, our topic is feeding you and feeding others. And so really, uh, it's going to be a little lighter, but the idea is what books, what what movies, what type of leisure um, are we putting into our own lives, and then how does that feed others? Maria, let's start with, with light. We'll get, we'll get into heavy. What do you do to relax when you're at home, when it's you, Mike, Millie? How does that go? Yeah, it looks a little bit different now with a 16-month-old than it did yeah, right? before. Uh, historically, I have really loved to cycle, uh, and so... Mike and I both really love riding our bikes, and we'll, um, we used to take bike rides out on the MKT, uh, go out to Weldon Spring, or that's about as far as we've gone. But that trail is amazing, and you can pick it up right next to, close to where we live. And so that has been one way that we've really, that I have found to be really relaxing. I think on a more kind of day-to-day I need some time where there's not a lot of noise around me. And so whether that be like dinner where yeah, you yeah. know we actually sit in front of each other and have a conversation that tends to be relaxing which is you know even though I talk to people all day that's a different type of conversation of obviously. Yeah. So and then I do love a good I mean when Cardinals baseball is on that is definitely how I, I relax. So uh, Fox Sports Midwest is a, definitely on every day of the summer and a requirement that whatever cable package we have come with Fox Sports Midwest. So definitely Cardinals baseball games are a way that I relax. That's, yeah. yeah. So I, I would say I wish I was more active than I was, but I feel like running around the school keeps me rather active. Oh, for sure. Um, and, and I stress eat, so yeah. you know, that, that, that also, burning calories while I'm consuming calories. Exactly. It happens. Yeah. It, it really, for me, it depends on the season. Um, during the winter, uh, such as now, I'm going to watch an occasional basketball game, football game, um, depending on where, where, where things are. And then I jump into a lot of shows. So I love like British crime shows, and I've seen a ton of them. And that's kind of my own thing. So I'll, I love the show Endeavor. It's it's a masterpiece, classic one, and it's phenomenal. I love the show Luther, and I cycled through that on Netflix and things. Summertime, I'm Cardinals baseball. Yeah. It, all the way. Every day, all day, uh, depending on, frankly, how the closing pitching's going. Um, <laughs> yeah. Whether or not I'll stay with it the entire game, but but there's hope yet. So I will do that. I watch a lot of sports, but probably when I'm at my best is when I either mute the TV or am not watching TV and I'm reading. Hmm. And that that's going to be another way. So Katie and I kind of have our own shows that we watch separately. She watches her Dateline 2020s, and she'll watch her own stuff that I think is garbage, and then I watch my stuff that she thinks is garbage. Then we have stuff that we watch together, and when we're watching it together, it's great, but the reality is um, when I'm reading, sometimes that's when I'm actually at my best because I feel like I'm actually feeding my mind and sometimes my soul instead of just vegging while I'm folding laundry and just glad the kids are in bed. Yeah. yeah, that's kind of yeah. that's kind of where we are. So now, do you and Mike have your own shows, or do y'all kind of? 
you know, we have historically had our own shows, uh, or our, our shows that we watch together. Um, Breaking Bad, when oh, we yeah. went through that. Yeah. Man, we were on End of the Walking Dead for a while, and then it just got boring. Um, so we have had shows together. We, we just offended some parents <laughs> by, by saying that, yeah. Um, our most recent one was Making a Murderer too. Yeah, and watch we that. still we had a long conversation about that last night because they had some new evidence come out. But anyways, or they filed a new motion, so we still follow that story. Um, but mo- more so right now, just stage of life we're in, having a 16 month old, getting ready to have a new baby. I do not have the emotional capacity to get into a TV show. So we have found each other, or found ourselves more doing your show, his show, he, so much so that he's created his own profile on Netflix. Wow, um, that's next so, level living. Yeah, because I was getting tired of the suggestions that were coming from his viewing. So Yeah, it's he, amazing. I get like, you know, a Christmas prince, and then Katie <laughs> gets, you know, like a bloodbath detective show, and, and yeah. we're kind of looking at each other like, going so that that's yes pretty good yeah so I'm sure that happens in other families too but he now has his own profile that has the um more he's more into the I don't know not just detective but like boy shows yeah what I would call boy shows and I like those shows I can I can handle them to some degree but given the job that I have I also need some shows that are really mindless and just entertaining so I have finally gotten him into the office. For the first four years of our relationship, he could not handle the office because it just felt a little too close to home since he used to work in an office environment. So we have broken broken that a little bit. So, yeah, that's wow. fun because I love the office. Yeah, I'm, I'm um, jealous that he gets to, to still relive it where I've memorized most every episode. Yeah. He yeah. So, he gets to do that. Wow. Yeah, I had I had to watch Scott's Tots with him the other day, and I'm I was so like, sorry. "This is the worst one." So, yeah, and if you know what we're talking about, uh, parents, then then you know that's the the most cringeworthy episode yes. in yeah. the office. Uh, whereas uh, other shows um, may kind of ebb and flow, but The Office does have have a, a zenith yeah. moment or two in season uh, two, three, and four. So. Yeah. So I will say when we're in, both engaged in a show together like Making a Murderer or even um, Breaking Bad, which yeah. obviously content-wise has some hard things. Right. But we had, I mean, we had some great conversations that come from that. And it's more than just the entertainment. I mean, there is that factor. But feel like, yeah, there were some really great opportunities for us to engage on topics that we would never have talked about okay. otherwise. So th- this is really interesting. Plenty of people have actually said, we're living in the golden age of television. Yes, definitely. Which I think is really interesting because the actual broadcast channels were probably watched less mm-hmm. now due to Netflix, Amazon, Hulu, et cetera, producing their own content and being mm-hmm. able to have access to other to other genres or other shows. You think of HBO and Showtime. They're producing their own things that are Emmy Award winning, Golden Globe nominated. So you get into this totally different entertainment package. The the good about it is that we have this depth of writing, depth of character development that we, that shows know when to cut it off instead of going on and on yes. and on, and they don't know when to stop just because the ratings are up. But shows have, have more of a cyclical nature in them. 
which has been very healthy. They'll go three to five seasons instead of trying to go 28. Yeah, and thank goodness. Right. So you have that. The flip side is probably these shows have more adult content in them, and within a Christian worldview, don't always point us to Christ. So you watch Making a Murderer. There's some really intense things there. There's some mm-hmm. foul language. There, there's mm-hmm. other things. You might watch Breaking Bad, the same thing, but yet there's depth of content there. Mm-hmm. So let's let's get into yeah. this for a second. When have you turned on a show and said, wow, this is kind of bad, but I'm going to stay with it? Or, you know what, no, I think I'm going to turn it off. Yeah. And, and granted, I will say, I think there's a lot of mediums oh, there. Oh, for sure. But, but so just, no judgment. Yes. Yeah, so yeah. Where, where where have you been there? And, and parents, if you want to have a conversation with us individually about this, feel free to. But the reality is, uh, this is where we are. We're going to be a little vulnerable here today and yeah. give you a peek into our personal lives maybe a little bit more. So where would you say, Maria? Yeah, I think that, I mean, the the more so because it's on, on my recent memory, but making a murderer one and two those shows were very difficult for me thinking again i'm a counselor so i come from a perspective of sitting with people who have very complicated lives and who make really poor decisions at times because of some of the stuff that they've been through you know um hurt people hurt other people right um and i'm not going to get get into whether he's guilty or not um i won't go there but to think that this man has spent the majority of his life in prison is a really sad fact for me and then to watch in making a murder to this high-powered incredibly rich successful lawyer come into the home of what we would probably consider low socioeconomic low intelligence, low access. I mean, they're they're close to the bottom rung of our culture if if you had to right. rank important fair. people. Yep. Um, and we're talking about Stephen Avery's family here. Yes. So to watch this woman who has so much success, so much power, so much money, sit in the kitchen with Stephen Avery's mom and not just talk about the case, but like talk about her life and talk about her health and treat her with the dignity and the respect of any that any human being would want to be treated with, that to me was really significant. So if I can pull something, if I can see something like that in a story, I'm willing to stick with it. I'm willing to sit through some of the, you know, e- even the difficulty of hearing some of the details of that murder and that investigation and, and all of that kind of thing. Um, I'm willing to sit with that because there's some piece of redemption in it for me. And I would say that's typically kind of my line. Yeah, is Is, there a redeeming quality? Is there a redeeming quality in it? Um, There have been, like any of the, and no offense to anybody who likes this, um, Terminators, the violence for the sake of violence, those kind of superhero type movies, I don't have that same experience with. There are redeeming qualities about that. For whatever reason, that story does not sit with me as well, or as much. So, those are probably, you know, the Fast and the Furious, those type of movies are a little bit more challenging for me to feel like there's some 
value that I gained. Redeeming qualities yeah. is, is a big thing. A few years ago, I was in a Bible study, and I had a pastor recommend a movie called Lars and the Real Girl, which is a phenomenal movie. If you were to go on and read the summary of the movie, you would never expect, A, for me to say it's a phenomenal movie, B, to come as a recommendation recommendation from a pastor. But it's a very clean movie. It's just a very odd movie in its subject matter, and I'm not going to get into it here just in case we do have some younger students listening. The reality, though, is, is I would recommend that to any adult couple to, mm-hmm. to watch. It's a PG-13 movie, by the way. There's, there's nothing over the top about it. But it's because of its theme of common grace. And so we know that this is a theological term, yeah. at least within reform circles, where a non-believer, because he's an image bearer, because a non-believer can still bear the image of Christ, they can produce things that point back to Christ mm-hmm. without them knowing it. Exactly. And we see that. We see that time and time again. We see that there might be something that we love that we're like, we say, there's no Christian message or ethic there, but for some reason I'm drawn to it, and I actually can grow from it in the midst of the sin. So often, at least for my family, when, when we're watching something, especially Katie and I, probably the first time where this really came up for us, wasn't with Breaking Bad, but it was a few years earlier with Mad Men. Oh, yeah, that's a great example. And, I had to turn that one off. And we stayed with it. And yeah. and Mad Men, for us, allowed us to have some really in-depth convers- conversations, maritally, spiritually, psychologically. It allowed us to explore some, some avenues that normally, again, we wouldn't have conversations about. However... There was depth of character, there was depth of writing, and there was a sadness through, through, yeah. that was woven through that story, mm-hmm. but yet we found ourselves seeing that the characters needed redeeming, and at times there was redemption that would come mm-hmm. from the world. There was times that redemption, at least as the story writers would say, came from luck, we would say came from grace, mm-hmm. and we began to see that. We'd listen to some interviews. We weren't obsessed. We're not going to watch all these different stories and read articles sure. necessarily, but it was really fun to get into. And we saw that, but I had others that clearly said, no, it got too dark, or oh, there was a piece of that. Mm-hmm. And that, and that's each to their own, and I will say, Definitely. you know, every man has, has a struggle, every woman has a struggle, and, and we see that in the Scripture. We don't want to tempt brothers and sisters in Christ if, the, if there are struggles, regardless of what that subject matter may be. It may be alcohol, and there's a lot of alcohol consumption, mm-hmm. and you're struggling with, with c- cigarettes and, 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 and stopping smoking, and yet there's a lot in that show, as well as a myriad of other things. Mm-hmm. But... Did that help our relationship? Did it hinder our relationship? That's really where it came down to. And could we identify the common grace? And sometimes it's easier than others. Definitely. And there's been movies that we've turned off. Yeah. There's been a show that, that actually people have said, hey, you got to watch it. you got to watch it. Folks that I love and care for and actually hold in very high spiritual esteem. And I just can't get behind it. And that's okay. Yeah. That's, what, that's why there's so many out there. Yeah. The reality is... There's a lot of depth that, that goes into it that I think God uses uses this entertainment. And the question is, is, is this bringing you closer to me? Mm-hmm. Does this have redemption or does this push you away from me? That's going to be a really big yeah. question that, that you have to, I think, constantly ask. When we talk about parenting, we say, is this intentional or not? I think when we're talking about feeding ourselves before we feed others, what is this doing to my soul? Sure. How is this creating me as a husband, as a parent? As, as, a, as a leader within our school, how does that push me? Yeah, definitely. And I think, you know, there are still times where we will even fast forward through scenes. Absolutely. Even in shows yeah. that, that we like um, or movies that we like, 
we will fast forward one for preca- precaution but you know two especially if it doesn't add to the story and it it takes away something from us yeah you know we are fine fast forwarding through that and pulling out what we can you know in in the good in it and i think you know that is a fine line and there are different seasons of our life where tv is going to be more of a mindless kind of vegging relaxation and there are going to be times where it can be really stimulating to us and i would say even with a show like breaking bad just because of some of the content there were times where i had to say i need a break you know yeah. um and and we Katie, watched it Katie years actually after that more more than i did yeah i was more like let's finish let's it we finish were also it. kind yeah. of up against the deadline when we were watching it do do that because we were watching it week by week and had a few yeah. episodes to catch up on but I remember, remember specifically, it got heavy, mm-hmm. and and it does, and it does affect your heart. It does it affect does. The, the way that you it think does. through things. Definitely, and those are good and important conversations to have. And the thing that I have found, and one of the reasons that I I love TV, is because it puts me in a position where I have to empathize with people that I may not empathize without in real life. Yeah. I would never come come into contact with some of the characters on Breaking Bad, and so you hope. So I hope, yes. Um, but at the same time, because of the way that story was written, and because of of I think the acting in it and and all of that, it did kind of force you to root for the quote bad guy, right? And the anti-hero, the anti-hero. Which, is a, which is a common theme. Yes, and at the same time, I totally feel him on some of that. Being a dad, um, him being a dad, him him having cancer, like all of that, like hits you. And so, that is one of the things that I love, and that I think is very powerful about TV, is that it can expose you to stories in a way that you may not experience them out in real life. And so. You know, I don't want to draw too many well, conclusions, but yeah. Let that's me let me I go wrote. into a different a different segment for for just a second. If you were to ask the faculty what I say a lot in faculty meetings and what I do, I think you would get a lot of folks, and I think I, I, not going out on a limb here, that say Taylor quotes movies and watches a ton oh, of movies all the time. Right. Yes. So I'm a big quoter. What I've realized, at least though, both as a parent and and then also seeing the impact of streaming TV, mm-hmm. is that TV shows now are having a much greater impact on our society than movies are. It used to be the other way around because we didn't have DVR, we didn't have you know TiVo yeah. in the early 2000s and things like that. You waited every week for your 30-minute sitcom to come on. That's just really 22 minutes with commercials. Yep. You'd have to wait till the next week, and then you might have a season-ending cliffhanger that says "to be continued." And then you have to wait all the way till September till it came back Horrible. on. Right? Yes. Can't believe we ever lived this way. Yes. Yet, when we're taking this all in, a movie, on the other hand, is really two hours, yeah. start to finish a story. You might get into a Godfather, Rocky sure. type of deal, but you're not going to necessarily have anything more than the two hours that you're sitting there, and that's more than than most most folks want to sit. There's an intermission sure. for a reason. If you go back to even a Gone with the Wind in the nineteen mm-hmm. uh, in the early 1900s, there's a lot there. But when we sit there and we watch something like Friends, which Katie grew up watching, uh, I've seen every episode. I think it's it's a very funny written show. The 
if you're watching it as we now have the term binge watching mm-hmm. if you're going to sit in front of a TV and you're going to watch five episodes of Breaking Bad mm-hmm. you're talking double the length of a movie if not more mm-hmm. if you're going to watch ten episodes of Friends however that is and you're a teenager or you're, you're a, a preteen and you're, you're exposing yourself to that you're watching hours of content and there's no forced displacement between you and that content and it weighs heavier and yes. I think that's something and why we're talking about this today is again what are you being fed mm-hmm. parents and then how are we feeding our children and, and that, I think that's part of it is I've, I've learned I might watch a, an episode or two I it is not healthy for me and, mm-hmm. and it takes discipline for me not to just binge watch yes. it alone some of that comes with us being parents and adults and realizing we have laundry to do dishes to wash yeah. and yards to mow etc for our kids, they're not there yet, and so we have to monitor the amount of, 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 of content that they're being exposed to. We wouldn't let them just go and sit down and open a tub of ice cream and just go to town, Yeah. but we will let them do that, unfortunately, with TV and Definitely. movies that could be pushing a worldview that we don't agree with mm-hmm. or pushing subject matter that they're not ready to deal with in that amount of mass. And if they're doing it alone... Um, they're being told things that they may not know or understand that right. I want to be the one to talk to about. Well said. And so that's something to consider too. And I, unfortunately, am not at the point where my daughter can, has the attention span to sit in front of a TV show yet. I do. There is nothing wrong with with having time for your kids to watch TV. I am not. I'm definitely not saying that. I think we just need to be more aware of what is going in because there is so much content now. There's multiple platforms for content. It's not just the TV. In fact, I would probably say that most tweens, teens are not getting their content from Netflix or Hulu. That that YouTube. that content is coming from YouTube. And YouTube is a whole podcast in and of itself. But you know, they're, we have to be aware of what they're putting, what they're ingesting, what they're putting in, just like we are with their food. I mean, that's a great example. And again, it's not all bad. It's not something that I'm necessarily saying you can't let your kid watch anything, um, but just something to, to think through. There's another podcast I listen to called Don't Make Me Come Back There, and there's an interview between the host who's a stand-up comedian and another comedian who's a comedian, former lawyer, and what he would consider himself a gamer. Now, I'm not going to get into video games today, but he talks about the difference in, in screen time in comparison to what we used to have. When I was growing up, I'm, a, I'm an only child, so when I was growing up, I spent a lot of time in front of the TV. Mm-hmm. I watched sports. I remember coming home watching Saved by the Bell. I remember watching some Nicktoons at night. I remember watching Nick at Night yeah. and, and different avenues but I'm having to watch different things and I'm not able to stay. And I felt like, yeah, I could still be a couch potato, but my parents made sure I was active. Mm-hmm. My parents made sure I was eating well. And there were times where I just wanted to watch TV and so be it. Every day now on National Sibling Day, I send another KDS parent who's also an only child a picture of my TV and he does likewise <laughs> as a joke. But as we, as, we, as we process that, the brain's having to shift and it can't slide into a pattern yeah. and it cannot slide into a habit. Likewise, when we're thinking about different screens, it's one thing to say, hey, my kid just watched a movie, now they're going to go play rock band, mm-hmm. and they're going to they're gonna 
pound out a song on, on a guitar or drums or whatever that may be, and then they're going to go to another stream and play a problem-solving game that's more edutainment than... Yeah. And I'm taking his stuff right out of the podcast, so I want to make sure that that's coming yeah. from Don't Make Me Come Back There. As far as that goes, I think that's a good thing. Our brains are switching. I don't love that it's in front of a screen. I do believe in outdoor time. Mm -hmm. I do believe that kids need to get out inside and play, get their hands dirty, figure that out. I'm also thinking, though, realistically, sometimes where our kids are and what they desire, there's a time of shifting that, and I feel like a lot of times it's shifting the way that their brains are processing information Mm -hmm. and to be able to establish breaks. And I feel like now we're in a process where our kids actually don't have that break. And I think it can be unhealthy if they're sitting and they're diving into a book. They could be just emotionally involved in a book Mm -hmm. or TV show or anything else with friends that could be unhealthy as it is to break things up appropriately. Definitely, definitely. And I think one thing that I have heard consistently is, you know, when we allow our kids to go to those screens and are we using those screens as a way for them to self-regulate to the point that they can't self-regulate without a screen? Great, great and I, point. I think that is really important. And again, I get it. Uh, it makes sense to me when you're, you know, I do that. If I'm upset, it's like I want to distract myself with something. So it's really difficult for me to not go to a screen during that, that time where I'm upset and I need to kind of distract myself. But the challenges I think for kids is if they don't learn how to regulate their emotions without the use of a screen, there may be a time where they don't always have access to that. If they're at work or if they're in a relationship with someone in the future, that may not be the best way to handle things. So just something to consider for parents is, you know, when your kid is upset, they are having a hard day, what does that balance look like between allowing them some of that mindless distraction, but also not using it as a way to regulate their emotions? And speaking of regulations, let's talk about habits, right? Yeah. The, the, the acronym HABITS. So parents, this stands for hungry, angry, bored, isolated, tired, and stressed habits. When we hit any one of those things, we have a propensity to need to be regulated and or desire for regulation, and, but we can do this in a healthy or unhealthy way. A healthy way might be, hey, mom, I need to talk about something I'm really mad about and, and expressing feelings. An unhealthy way might be, I'm going to go grab my iPad, lock myself in my room and binge watch and just uh, eliminate the world. Mm-hmm. And while I'm not trying to pr- propose being extroverted over introverted or something, sometimes we need mm-hmm. a great way to regulate is by isolating. Mm-hmm. But we need to also know ourselves and parents need to help children understand themselves and the way they work better by looking at that. So again, that is hungry, angry, bored, isolated, tired, or stressed. I think this is a thousand percent true for adults. I think with kids, we have to begin to to recognize this a little bit more. Yeah. And so asking ourselves when when any of those, when we experience any of those things, where do we go? So if we're bored, where do we go? If we're hungry, where do we go? If we're stressed, where do we go? And, and that's important for parents to understand and then to also help kids understand this is where I go when I'm feeling stressed. 
so that they can start to become more aware of their own interpersonal process and their own, you know, desire um, to go places when they're feeling those things. So yeah, that's great. Let's shift the conversation to books though, on how we view books. You don't necessarily yeah, love to read. I hate reading. I really enjoy it, and I find myself being much more productive, actually, when I'm, when I'm in the process of reading. I find myself really enjoying that mm-hmm. process. But we read very different things mm-hmm. and for very different reasons. Mm-hmm. So what do you read, and what growth do you benefit from when you're reading? I would say I do not read for entertainment or joy. I read for work. Uh, and some of that I feel like I'm still recovering from seminary and just the amount of reading I had to do in seminary, and that was almost three years ago uh, that I graduated. So, yes, so my books are typically, the books that I read typically revolve around how I can be better at my job. So I read a lot of parenting books. I read a lot of kind of social, emotional, psychological books. I do not find myself opening up a novel. If, I mean... The, the 140 characters on Twitter is about what I find enjoyable. So when they, when they increased it to whatever it 280. is now, 280, I was like, gosh, these are such long tweets. Why why am I reading this? So, Which yeah. is why I'm not on Facebook anymore. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, there's no limit there. So I do not find reading enjoyable. Now, I can do some audible uh, yeah, yeah. books. that That is a little bit more enjoyable to me, though... I so but I that would tend to look more like podcasts. How were you as a kid though with reading? Oh, I hated reading as a kid. I wasn't good at it. The reading comprehension was always a struggle for me in, in in school. So and my mom would force us to read for thirty minutes in the summer. Oh, and, oh it was miserable. Pain. So I would read Nancy Drew and Laura Ingalls Wilder. Like those were the, yeah. the only ones that could really grab my attention. So I'm not a a novel reader. My mom is still a voracious reader. She always has been. I, every time we grew up, um, we'd go somewhere. My mom had a book with her. Somewhat embarrassing, my dad, because my mom would take a book to like a Cardinals game <laughs> or she'd take it to a basketball game or something. My dad's like, I paid the ticket. She's going to read a book, whatever. The The flip side is I get it yeah. a little bit. And I, I now read a lot of novels and, and different things, but I remember my mom tried desperately to get me to read as a kid, and I just did not enjoy it. And there were very few books that I, I remember reading as a kid because I just didn't enjoy it. Mm-hmm. We had an accelerated reader at my mm-hmm. school. Didn't like it. There were I went through seasons where I would read a lot. There were other seasons where I just didn't care. Um, I do think now what I've found is, and frankly, my, my reading was really sparked through Harry Potter because mm. I found books that I was like, man, this is, this is good writing. Yeah. It's really entertaining. And then also with history, uh, being a history major, I found a, a whole genre of history that I just mm. fell in love with for true stories. Then I found historical fiction. And so now I read a lot more for entertainment. Mm-hmm. I'm not, I don't always read for work. I read articles. I get in discussion groups. And there's other folks that I have a growth aspect mm-hmm. through my work, and there's a lot of other things that I do for that. I also will read for work, but I don't enjoy it quite like mm-hmm. I can through reading a novel or something sure. something different where I feel like it has it can have a duality, a, a dual role, mm-hmm. but the reality is I love just being able to take a little bit of a break of, of, of having mental stimulation through reading, Definitely. which I think is, is way above television. Definitely. But I also 
love being exposed to different worlds, different cultures, different um, experiences, and, and I'm pretty specific when, when I read. There's certain authors that I like, there's certain, certain topics. I think for me though, is this, does this have a quality to it? Is there a depth of it? I'm not gonna just read a beach read all sure. year. You know, I read a book last year on the Magna Carta. That's how boring I am. <laughs> but I read a book on that, and then my next book was actually a spy novel. And But I wanted to learn a that little balance. bit, and so I try to balance it. The reality is, when I look at a book like this sitting on my desk right now, The Collapse of Parenting, it has phenomenal reviews. I've heard wonderful things mm-hmm. about it from you, and mm-hmm. you as well as plenty of others. I look at that and I say, okay, that book is going to collapse my parenting. <laughs> I'm going to look at myself and say... I am so uninspired yeah. or I am yeah. so unworthy and I and I see a wall being built. How do you yeah. see it when you're reading a book and it's like, hey, you need to do this, 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 and this? To me, it's like, man, they're just throwing out a monumental task that I can't compete with. How do sure. you see it? You know, this is a newer experience for me, especially since I now have a child of my own. And yeah, I would say yes. <laughs> Amen to what you just said is that at times reading some of the parenting books or marriage books or, or spiritual, even spiritual growth books, I'm like, man, this book really makes me feel like I'm not doing enough or that there's something wrong with me. And I try and, when I recommend, um, especially parenting books, I try and forewarn parents if it is one of those books. And I have to take breaks. So there's a book right now called uh, Parenting from the Inside Out, just by a guy named Dan Siegel. And it's phenomenal, but it is pretty much one story after another of how parenting, how experiences in childhood affect your parenting, and experiences you know in before you're a parent, even now, can affect how you parent your kid. That is a book that I have to read one story at a time, probably half a chapter at the time, because I'm just now in the process of learning some of how my experiences growing up or whatever affect my parenting and I'm starting to see that and so I have to take that slow because I notice in myself that I get on that hamster wheel of I'm not doing enough or I'm not good enough or I need to just try this strategy and it'll fix it and it's that's not the kind of place and the kind of parent that I want to be so when I notice those things those kind of tapes in my head starting to play, I'll put a pause on a mm-hmm. book um, or a podcast or whatever it may be that I'm, that I'm listening to. The other thing I think is really important to consider, and this is part of what I learned in seminary, we, because we had to read so much, but we had a time to process with other people who were reading the same book. And that was super helpful for me. Book club. Yeah, exactly, right? Both from a grace standpoint of like, um, we don't have to have this all figured out, but also from a standpoint of, oh wow, you're really interpreting that in a different way than I am. Because we all know that people write, even if it's a, a objective scientific book, they all write from their perspective, Absolutely. right? So even something that is based in neuroscience is still gonna have a worldview in it embedded in it and so it's really important to understand that and and so I think that can come out when having conversations with other people about about the book um, or about the podcast or whatever it may be 
so that's something that I found to be helpful, um, both in spiritual growth, personal growth, you know, work growth, whatever it may be. Let's round third base and come on home here. You're a parent. You love your own show. You're going to make sure that you're ready to tune into The Bachelor on Mondays <laughs> in January or whichever one they're on, or you're going to you know, watch an in-depth show or you're ready for the NFL playoffs. You're, you're ready for baseball season. You're uh, reading certain books. We all are drawn to something specific, and I think that that is the beauty of mm-hmm. this golden age of TV, golden age of even of literature for that matter, because we, we continue to find great writers and we continue to have access mm-hmm. in different ways of how we're able to read, be it Audible, Kindle, etc. So how does this affect our kids? Because let's be let's be real. There's times where I want my kids to go to bed so I can watch my show. Oh, for or, sure. Hey, be quiet. I'm trying to read a book. My when I before we had kids, or at least when Anderson was still very little, I'd wake up on Saturday mornings and make a cup of coffee. I'd read. It was awesome. It was yeah. my moment. It was my moment. But the reality is that goes away. That's gone. So how does this now impact the way that we parent, and how do we check our hearts with that, especially in the way that we're relating to our children? Definitely. I'm going to sound like a broken record, but to always remember that kids are going to mimic what they see. So if they're seeing their parents binge and spend hours and hours and hours on their phone or on their iPad or TV, they're going to understand that that's the way that the world works, right? So that's something to consider. Mm -hmm. Uh, And again, I am not one that says turn off every electronic and go play outside all the time like that's that's not where I'm coming from I think there's a balance that can be struck there but I think it's really important to remember remember that our kids mimic what they see so we are their example of how they're going to learn how to manage tv shows and movies and books and all of that kind of thing so I think practically speaking the best way that we can model that and the best way we can parent that is that we have conversations with our kids about what we're watching. And I'm not talking about, I'm, I'm talking about actually getting in and discussing the story, being aware of what we're putting into our bodies so that we don't just consume it for consumption's sake, but that we're actually having a conversation and being analytical about what we're seeing, processing what we're seeing rather than it just kind of hitting us and, and not thinking about it at all. Right. Now, granted, when I watch a Friends episode or an episode of The Office, I'm not necessarily going to sit there and have an in-depth conversation um, about that. That you know, But there are other shows where I will. Now, my husband and I have gotten into conversations about the characters of The Office and who really is the nice guy and who really is the jerk. But anyways, um, so I think that's really where... For parents we can help our kids is teaching them how to process what they're seeing how to talk about their experience of watching a movie or watching a TV show or watching a YouTube clip or a book or a story something like that does that make sense yeah so as you're saying that immediately who pops in my head is mr. Rogers yeah one because he has a lot of feedback on this mm-hmm. and he did not want to make television that was frankly binge-worthy even though that's before his time yeah definitely and now if you have Amazon Prime all of his episodes are on Amazon Prime 
And what I've noticed when we turn that on for, for our children is, number one, we watch that as a family. Usually on Sunday mornings mm-hmm. is the kids are kind of getting up and we have maybe time or Saturday mornings. We, we turn that on and we know that the content's going to be safe. We also know that there's a depth of content, mm-hmm. whether it's how something's made, whether it's discussing feelings, whether it's uh, the exploration of how to do a project. But there's an emotional component to where we also realize this is this is safe TV and our child is going to grow. As we as we go down that path, though, one thing that I think is also important that I, we try to teach our, our children, at least that, that we've learned, and I think is a very healthy thing is that we also need our own time. And Mr. Rogers talks about how parents need their own time. Mm-hmm. At night when you go to bed, he says, Mom and Dad need their own time mm-hmm. to recharge and to connect with each other. I would totally agree. I'd Even when I'm not in the same room as Katie, I need my own time. Yes. Katie needs her own time. Yes. And then, yeah, we might come together and watch a show. We may eat dinner after the kids go to bed. The reality, though, is when the when our children see that we, we do have our own time and that that's healthy for us mm-hmm. to stretch ourselves, to, to be able to, to remain somewhat sane amidst the craziness of life, that's something that, that I also think is important to impart to children. Totally. It teaches boundaries and limits. Right. Our kids need to know that they have limits, that, that human beings have limits. And often what we see, at least displayed in story, displayed in in movies, etc., for children, is that there aren't limitations. No, well, and it's a like, and especially YouTube when feeds a, that. yeah, and especially when it's a binge-worthy show. I mean, yes, eventually that comes to an end, but you can start it all, all over. I mean, I can't tell you how many times I've watched, you know, this the sixth season of The Office. You know, I mean, I've I've watched those shows over and over and over. So to some degree. We live in a world where we don't have to be limited necessarily by the end of a show anymore. Um, you know, it goes on Netflix now. So right. it can continue to live on forever indefinitely. And that's not how life is. That's not how humans are. We do have our limits and our um, boundaries for sure. Right. All right. Well, parents, we're more than happy to continue this discussion. We want to go ahead and wrap it up today. Remember to email us. Remember to comment if there's other things that you would like for us to discuss. Right now, our goal is just to give you some discussion points, to give you some things to consider. Uh, Again, this this podcast is offered totally without judgment. It's more of a reality of of kind of where both Maria and I are, but also where we know a lot of you as parents are. So if we can be of further help, let us know. Otherwise, we hope you have a great day.